Welcome back to Big Sky Buckets. I'm Big Sky, and today we're talking about the Pascal Siakam sweepstakes, everything surrounding it, teams that I think are actually going to pull out of the sweepstakes, including one who is apparently a front runner still, teams that I think are actually going to be the ones most involved going forward. I think things will fluctuate a little bit as we get close to the trade deadline and all the minutiae, honestly, all the details really and complexities of Pascal Siakam's situation, everything involved, and how I think things will pan out in general. But before we get started, if you're new to the channel, please consider subscribing. I'd really appreciate all the subscriptions and support as I get this thing up and going. Give it a like, comment down below your thoughts. I'm sure there will be a lot of opinions about this one. And if you're an audio-only listener, give it a rate, give it a listen. And right before we jump into it, I know it's been a minute since I've put out a full-length episode. It's worth noting that right as I said we're going to get things scheduled, uh, get the schedule up and running again, I immediately got sick, so that's why I've been gone for a while. I've been putting out TikToks and shorts in the meantime, but we'll get a real schedule going here, I think, for the near future. While I get this thing up and going, I think it'll be two to three long-formatted episodes a week, if that sometimes, but you'll get at least two out of me a week. Uh, just look forward to that. But let's jump into it. So I had actually recorded this yesterday and I realized that it wasn't good enough and a little bit more details had come out. You know, I had to look into a couple of beat writers and reporters for specific teams about where they were kind of sitting in the Pascal Siakam's sweepstakes. So the reason we're doing this video as well is that while I was sick, OG and Ananobi was finally traded to the Knicks for Emmanuel Quigley, R.J. Barrett, and a early second, basically a late first because it's coming from Detroit, so that means it'll be like the 31st pick. And what we're hearing about this draft is essentially that, and I'll do a full video of this way later when we get close to the draft or somewhere in between once all the draft guys have kind of figured out where the talent pool sits or whatnot. But the feeling right now is for... The, the upcoming draft, it's going to be a weaker class opposed to recently because recently we've, we've had back-to-back-to-back -to -back -to -back incredible draft classes. And it sounds like, from what I've heard recently, that basically 10 through 40 are all kind of the same level of talent. So this is going to be more of a fit-like draft. So having a pick in the second round that's 30, like 31 through 40 is going to be just as good as having one that's probably like fit to me, like 15 through 30. So the second half of the first round. So that's a, that's a good trade. And I'm, I've kind of talked a little bit from the Knicks perspective, but from the Raptors perspective, that's good. But really here, Messiah's finally decided to do stuff. He's finally made a decision of kind of the timeline or at least one. He's taken one step closer to the ultimate goal of, in his eyes, it's probably retooling around Scotty. They don't like rebuilding there for the ownership and the conglomerate that uh, the sports conglomerate that owns the Raptors essentially will always try to have them be like somewhat competitive to get to earn as much money. Like this will typically happen in the NBA. It sucks, but it's the hard truth until they sell or someone buys the Raptors, someone that really cares a lot about winning and doing it the right way and for a team like the Raptors that would probably be involving a rebuild. Masai is a unique GM. He falls in the category of someone like 
Danny Ainge, really. Danny Ainge was the originator of I win trades. And so they can be really hard to deal with. So before we get into all these teams, I want to preface this with kind of the elephant in the room. The thought process of the Raptors right now, it sounds like, is essentially if Siakam is traded, it will not be until the deadline to field as many offers and to evaluate with Emmanuel Quigley, R.J. Barrett, Scotty Barnes, can this team make a play-in playoff push? Because if that's the case, they're probably going to keep Siakam. If that is not the case in the next month, essentially, they have a month to figure this out while they field offers, then they will probably trade Siakam. The second caveat, there's three. The second caveat here is that Siakam is not going to sign an extension with any team. There's not going to be a sign and trade. There's none of that. He is, he and his camp have doubled and tripled down. They are going to test unrestricted free agency. So for any team that makes a trade for Siakam, it will be a gamble. That inherently lowers the trade value, which brings us to the third caveat. What Messiah is asking for is typically going to be viewed as unreasonable because how he views Siakam and how the rest of the league views Siakam based on the contract and the fact that what you would be doing for trading for Siakam is a gamble. There, no, no team, no two organizations, the Raptors and whoever they are negotiating with will not fully see eye to eye. So this is going to be a very hard fought negotiation for every team. That being said, for the teams I think are most likely to pull out of the sweepstakes in the upcoming month. There's two teams, and then there are three teams that I think will actually be in it all the way through. So let's start with the two teams. One is actually a front runner and has been the front runner since the offseason this summer, and that is the Atlanta Hawks. And the reason I say that is because it's been so long and the trade talks have gone on for so long. It started off with the Hawks trying to strong arm the Raptors because Pascal immediately threw everyone on their bus. He's trying to get a Supermax extension. He's not, he doesn't want to sign an extension in general. He wants to stay in Toronto. He's done everything in his power with his camp to basically say, don't trade me. And so that hurts basically every team trying to trade for him. However, for the Hawks specifically, they tried to use that to their advantage to trade for him with as little assets as they could. But as time has progressed, Masai has gone back to, all right, if you really need him because you're struggling as well as we are, you're going to give us the value that I deem fit. And for the Hawks, what the Raptors are asking for right now is quite literally not going to happen. And I say that because especially after last night with the Hawks win over Oklahoma City Thunder, we're not going to get too much into that. The two untouchable players, in my opinion, and I hope that new GM Landry Fields has the same opinion for the Hawks, is quite literally Trey Young because he's the best player, and Jalen Johnson, who, in my opinion, is the second best player, is a rising star. I know a lot of people might still think he's a role player, but he is too talented. He is honestly, those two are the reasons for winning games. When they both play, it's like a record of nine and seven. That's above 500. The team is not, they are struggling and they are desperate, but I think they're more likely to end up being sellers to consolidate and design a team around these two. The Raptors are not going to make a deal without Jalen Johnson. Therefore, I think the Hawks are going to inevitably say this is too this is too much. And main the main thing here, when doing a trade, 
there's two sides to it, of course, but for a team making getting the best player in the trade, essentially here, you have to evaluate this via how much will how much can they gain and how much can they lose. With a team who has lost a lot in the DeJounte trade, now we can say basically two years in because the DeJounte is a good player. He's a good to great player, but he does not fit with trade. Therefore, they traded a lot of draft assets. They would have to involve some and Jalen Johnson and another young player that means a lot to this team. They have way more to lose than to gain. If they make this trade and give up players like Jalen and Onyeka and Picks, which is what essentially the Raptors are asking for, and salary filler, that is the easiest way to destroy this organization, this franchise, this era of Hawks basketball. I know they're not great right now, but you have to look at it from their perspective of how can this backfire and the red flags are everywhere, especially for this team. The, the way to destroy this team is quite literally doing that exact trade. So I actually think they will be pulling out despite how desperate they are. I think there are other moves for them that will work out in the long run. I think more consolidation trades, like I think they are most likely to trade DeJounte Murray. And the other thing here for the Hawks is apparently they came out and said, if they did trade for Siakam, they would not trade uh, DeJounte Murray. And I think that's just a bad way to go. So I do think inevitably they will pull out and go look elsewhere. Not everyone may agree with that. Some people might be like the Hawks are definitely getting Pascal Siakam. I just think it's been too long. They wanted to, I think if they were going to get Siakam, this would have already happened so that they acquire bird rights, which is off the table now so that they could actually find a way to keep him instead of letting him walk to unrestricted free agency. So this feels dead in the water to me. The second team that was rumored to be in the sweepstakes that I think will inevitably pull out are the Sacramento Kings. And really the main thing here is that just like with the Hawks, the Raptors are asking for something that is just not in the cards. And they're asking for Keegan Murray and then salary filler and picks. First of all, you are not getting a guy that since he got drafted there has basically turned this franchise around. He's not the main guy, but he is such an integral piece to what the Kings are doing. That is not going to happen. Kings fans love him. The organization loves him. That's not going to happen. And then really here, I have questions about fit next to Sabonis, who definitely would not be traded either. They're obviously not trading Fox. And then really the package might be one of the worst by far, which would, from what I've seen, would be something like Herder, Barnes, and like a pick or something. Both sides just kind of that's going to fizzle out. So I think, and I think it's been kind of leaning towards they're already moving away. I haven't heard their name as much in the Siakam trade rumors anymore. So they're kind of out. And I think that's, that's fine. I, I really think they don't need to be looking for a star necessarily, because I don't think there's a star on the market currently that kind of fits the schemes. And they, they have assets, but they don't have as much as other guys for players like maybe Larry Markinen or some others. I, I think this is a team to monitor come the offseason. And if they do make a trade this year, I think it will be more so for depth and getting other role-playing pieces in there that work a little bit better than the ones they currently have, especially off the bench. So that's what I think about the Kings. I don't think they need to make a big move right now. I think just stay the course and then in the off season monitor who is asking out and all of that. 
So now we get to the three teams that I think are most likely to, if Siakam is moved, these are the three teams most likely to get him. And I'm going to go in order from kind of least to most likely. So the least likely to me is the team that can offer the least. And that is the Dallas Mavericks. So the Mavericks need defense and they need rebounding. They're off. They're going to be fine offensively because they have Luka and Kyrie. Those guys are not going to be in, in the trade. I'm sure that Masai is going to ask for Derek Lively. They're not going to give them to him. This is the first center they've had since like Tyson Chandler, really, that's like made a true impact on this team, which is saying something. That's been like over a decade of no center play whatsoever. So really here, uh, and now I'm going to give you what I think would be rumored. So what I have written down here essentially is I think the Mavericks will be in the sweepstakes as every other team pulls out and Masai deems that this Pascal, Scotty, Emmanuel Quigley, RJ Barrett thing isn't working. So it's as to not let Siakam walk away for nothing. I think the headliner is probably going to be Jaden Hardy, which is not a super big name. Salary filler in Tim Hardaway Jr. most likely, and then another young guy in Omax Prosper. Possibly a pick, but I, I keep putting like possibly. I don't want anyone to get too upset about. It's just their Messiah is probably going to push for a pick. And at first I thought this would deplete Dallas of all assets. And then I realized come in the coming offseason, they'll get two more first-round picks made available to be able to be traded. So I think... They're in the running. They really want him. They just have to wait for other teams to pull out because the at the trade is not good enough to compete with the other two teams. The second team, in my opinion, they are a little bit more 50-50, like the wild card. They are not talked about a lot in the trade rumors or the sweepstakes in general, but they are definitely a team to monitor because I think they are most likely to make a big trade because they are struggling. They're like the Hawks of the West, but better. And that is, of course, the Golden State Warriors. When I say Hawks of the West, both teams are flirting around 10th, 11th seed. They're, they are very much underwhelming teams. They're disappointing for the most part. But the, the Warriors are definitely turning it around. They're on the, on the rise. But the main thing here for the Warriors is Masai will be asking for Jonathan Kaminga. And he is so important right now. It's really just a question of, is there a way to pivot around not giving up Kaminga? Or if Kaminga is part of it, trying to not get rid of any other young guys because they are all super important. Like, you, if you get rid of Kaminga, which I know a lot of Warriors fans probably don't want to do, but the reason that they would be trying to get Siakam is you want a more veteran player as the number two star next to Steph because Clay's descent Draymond's not doing anything for you, and Andrew Wiggins has been terrible this year. You can't give up Brandon Pajemski. You you can you can only do one or the other, and then salary filler and probably picks, in my opinion. That that would have to be it. That's still good enough because both of the young guys are very good and can easily be headliners of a trade. D despite what people might think of Brandon, he has been incredible for the Warriors along with Kuminga. So one of them has to go in the trade. And the reason why it's probably leaning towards Kuminga is that there's a log jam at the forward spot in Golden State. So you have to get rid of probably a couple of them. So the, the salary filler here is most likely Andrew Wiggins or Draymond Green, which I don't think Draymond can be traded. And, or at least I don't know what team's going to trade for him. So it's, it's like 
Andrew Wiggins or CP3 is the, the salary filler. It's just those are bad salaries in general. But the reason I, I think the Warriors could beat out the Mavericks trade offer just because Kuminga or Brandon Pajemski is quite literally better than the younger guy of Omax, who's getting no runtime, and Jaden Hardy, who is a good backup point guard, but he doesn't necessarily help move the needle the way that the Raptors are looking at it. Uh, I think I think they're more inclined to make this gamble because they need to win now. But the other thing here, which makes it a little bit easier for the Warriors to actually do this trade, is that at the bare at the very end of the day, if he of all the teams really listed here for Pascal most likely to re-sign with is the Warriors because they are in fact the Warriors because you get to play with one of the best players in the league in Steph and he has won championships before and as someone Pascal has won a championship before as the number two next to Kawhi I think there's a little bit more leeway of like okay it's at least the Warriors it's more reputation based I want to say that because I think he would have just as much I think if he was of clear mind Dallas would be a good place to sign as well because you get to play with another like top five player in the league and like Luca, but, or top 10, right. Depending on how you view that. And then the final one. And I think the most likely actually is a team that I talked about in a short about a month ago. I will put the PNG honestly on the screen just to show you that I kept receipts, but a while back, right after Pacers won the in season tournament, I was I was giving them props for being able to play defense through, throughout most of the in-season tournament. They are struggling a lot with defense, and I kind of knew that like they can only play a level like a certain level of defense. They still need a lot more, and this is honestly a match made in heaven for the Pacers. Now the gamble obviously is that he may not resign, but this year has been a lot more of showcasing Tyrese Halliburton being a winning player. And people wanting to play with a guy who's going to get 20 assists. He's going to share the ball. He doesn't hog the ball as much. So I And you get to play next to a stretch five. So if he wants to play more around the rim, he can. And the defense and playmaking that Pascal brings you would be absolutely incredible for this team. And especially what Rick Carlisle is doing. Now the headliners is twofold. Because I had to look a lot into this one. Because a lot of this came up yesterday. So in my opinion, it's probably headlined by either Jarris Walker or just picks in general in case they don't want to give up on Jarris Walker yet. Now, Jarris Walker is not getting any runtime. And the real difference here between any of the other offers is that with someone like Omax and Dallas, you have at least one guy that you probably know who was a lottery pick in a good draft, probably is really good and plays a position of power forward center that is something that is intriguing that is most likely more intriguing than anything to the raptors now you the the salary filler here is like tj mcconnell and or buddy healed and or bruce brown and obi toppin so either picks or jarris and then some salary filler and then maybe if you go with the jarris walker you throw salary filler in and then do Obi Toppin and no picks because you're giving up someone that you drafted very high who has a lot of talent. Or you go with the more retool-esque route of Buddy Heald gives you the shooting that Toronto desperately needs. TJ McConnell, salary, and 
picks in general of you want you want picks because he didn't get as many in the uh, OG trade. Well, here you go. And the reason I think the the Pacers will actually in it, so there's obviously the two routes is that Masai makes a mistake and doesn't trade Pascal, which I'm afraid is going to be the case because Masai loves Pascal Siakam. And he just, uh, he's not going to pay Pascal the money he needs. He, there's a couple of guys on the Raptors now that are going to need contracts. Scotty Barnes is going to need his Supermax rookie contract extension soon. And Emmanuel Quickly, who they just traded for, is going to need a, a contract. And I, I don't know how that's going to work, but it'll be restricted. I don't think they're going to end up paying Pascal the money he wants, especially because it will definitely put this team, the Raptors in a position of being a luxury team. And I don't think the sports conglomerate that owns the Raptors wants to do that. So just kind of like with the Warriors, the gain to loss ratio, especially if you go with the picks route for the Pacers, I think there's way more to gain here because if it's really just about showcasing how far you can go and adding a good front court defender. To so the fit between Pascal Siakam and Miles Turner it's quite literally of all the teams that I've just named is the best by far. No question because opposed to any other team on here, unless the Warriors are running uh, Dario Saric at the five as their starting five, there's not a better fit because you get to play next a stretch five and you play on a team that's filled to the brim with three point shooting. So your limitations of three-point shooting in Siakam can be glossed over completely. And yes, you're giving up some shooters in like Buddy Heald most likely because he's an unrestricted, like unrestricted free agent. But at the same time, you got a bunch of young, like younger guys that can step into that role. Andrew Nimhard, you have Benedict Matherin, whose three-point shooting is probably going to progress as time goes on. Things like that. So I don't think you're as worried if you're the Pacers. The only worry you have if you're the Pacers is that Masai is really, really trying to get one of the young Canadian guys because that's an MO is Masai loves his international players and especially kind of like home homegrown in terms of country. I, I know there's like a running joke of like, oh, well, he's Canadian. So why won't the Raptors just trade for him? But like if it's a talented young guy on a good contract who is Canadian, like Benedict Matherin or Andrew Nimhard, then Masai has a real reason to push for that. But in in totality here, in, in the end, I come to a conclusion of I do think that Masai, with all the pressure that's put on him to, you can't, like, even though he loves Siakam, he's not going to be able to give him the contract that Siakam wants. I do think he will be traded, and I do think it will be to the Pacers because I think the Pacers at the end of the day will be like, look, we have a bunch of assets here and we're only getting rid of a couple of them and some salary filler this works in benefit to both of us collectively it's just i think of all the teams just the fit is perfect between siakam and the pacers in general who need defense who need front court defense for sure and opposed to anyone else i i just think i don't know the with i think dallas and the Pacers have the least to lose, personally. I, I think with the Pacers being at the top. So it's interesting that it's come full circle now. With like a month ago, I was like, I would just look into this if you're the Pacers. Maybe something will transpire. I was at the time still like, I think the Hawks are probably going to run run this. And at the time, I definitely was thinking, 
I think Masai's just going to go his normal route of just not trading him. But I'd say take the gamble, especially if you want to make some noise in the playoffs if you're the Pacers. I know it's I know it's a gamble like we talked about, but I just think there's so much talent on the Pacers that you're just not giving up too much. You're not like in no matter which route you go, you're either giving up talent that you're not currently playing right now. Now, I think he's overall important, so I wouldn't go necessarily that route. And you have a bunch of picks that you've accumulated through the small little rebuild retooling that you've done, I think it's worthwhile to take a look and really see if you can negotiate with Masai, but we'll see what happens. I I, I look forward to the Siakam sweepstakes culminating in the fact that I think Masai will feel pressured to trade him and start a new path for this team who they need a new path. I know that Raptors fans really like Siakam. I just think they're in such a bizarre situation right now where so much contract-esque drama being forced on a team that is in the middling of the road. Just take the easy route out of this one and get something in return. There's been too much asset mismanagement since they won it, since the Raptors have won a championship. Just take the easy road here, get some assets in return, and figure out what the identity of this team is come the offseason. Well, that's all I got for you guys today. I hope you enjoyed. I, I think it's a overall really interesting. This this one is kind of, it's more interesting than a lot of other trade targets throughout the trade deadline era of just gossip and rumor-filled drama, all of that. Because this is a guy that a lot of people kind of forget is two-time All-NBA player, a most improved winner and a second option on a championship caliber team who's been playing number one for a while, which is why they haven't gotten anywhere. If he can just come to a team like the Pacers, like the Mavericks, and be a two or three options, or like the Warriors, a two option, he's really going to impact winning. But yeah, that's my thoughts. I'll see you guys soon. I think Sunday, Monday is probably my next drop for an episode, but give it a sub, give it a like, give it a comment, and I'll see you guys on Sunday or Monday. Peace.